Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God and how it can bring transformation and renewal into our lives. Morning, Mary. Good morning, Father John. And I am so excited for our conversation this morning. I am too. It's a great example of how uh, it's necessary sometimes just to wrestle with the Word of God because at first pass, at least in my case, I got nothing. <laughs> and then after a couple of days, I felt like the Lord was starting to speak to me, whereas you got something immediately and could have recorded this about a week ago. Uh, and I'm, I'm eager to share what the Lord's uh, been saying to both of us. So what's our topic? So our topic today is pursuing and pursued by wisdom. So let's ask for that now, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we just entrust our conversation to you right now. We thank you for the great gift that is your word which is healing and encouraging and inspiring and convicting, shows us the way to live, points us to truth. We pray for all those who are listening to us right now that uh, what we say would be those things that you desire us to say, that we would share the fruit of our prayer, and that it would be helpful and practical for those who are listening. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got a couple of quick things just to let people know, though, before we break open the scripture in a particularly regarded, related to the Rescue Project and Christmas. So yeah, what do we, we got? do? So, you know, we're at a time right now in our planning, if we're, if, if we're seeking to bring like the Rescue Project to a parish where we're planning for maybe a winter launch, a mm-hmm. midwinter mm-hmm. launch. And so we're stepping into these days of Christmas which are great opportunities to start inviting people. Because the Christmas. submarine Catholics emerge, they surface, don't they? Right. That's right. People That's who've right. been underwater for months yeah. surface at Christmas. And so it's a great opportunity um, to invite those um, that otherwise we might not be able to have access to who are coming to, to Mass. Um, and so in that regard, we have created like a little seasonal postcard that you can find on our website, which is rescueproject.us, and in the lower right-hand corner, there's, there's a pop-up. And so you can download these postcards and personalize them and start inviting now and getting prepared for um, your winter rescue. So if you know your pastor doesn't listen to our podcast, but he might be interested in running the rescue project, you might want to bring this to his attention because the, the PDFs that we've created are such that they could be put into a bulletin or they could be put into a book insert if people give away books at Christmas. So make your pastor aware of this if uh, he's not a regular listener of yeah, our podcast. Absolutely. And if you're doing it in your home, um, you can do it. You, 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 you. Can, you can still do it. Yeah, so. hand them out at people yeah. for Thanksgiving or for Christmas absolutely. or friends you see at uh, you know Christmas parties at work, whatever the case might be. So. And then we also just want to invite our friends to maybe check out our new um, swag that we have in our store. So we, it's Christmas time, we're shopping. So we have some like uh, new t-shirts, right, Father John? Um, we've got some quarter zips and we've got some nice warm socks. Got some socks coming. <laughs> I'm not sure that they're warm yet, but uh, but we have some new socks. At least they're going to be there. If they're not there yet, they're going to be there in the next couple of days. Yeah, so check out our store, check out our website, see some of the new items that we're putting up there. And all of this is really for the purpose of making things easier for you if you're looking to bring rescue to whatever, wherever you want to bring rescue to. We're just trying to get the word out there. Amen. And like I said, make it as easy as possible for all of you, our dear friends. Amen. So why don't you go ahead and bust open the word of God for us this week, would you? Yeah. So the the first reading for this coming Sunday comes from Wisdom chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. 
Resplendent and unfading is wisdom, and she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desire. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed, for he shall find her sitting by his gate. For taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence, and whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care, because she makes her own rounds, seeking those worthy of her, and graciously appears to them in the ways and meets them with all solicitude. What a rich, rich passage, Father John. Well, it's rich for you, but the first time I read it, I had Zippo. I mean, I literally did. We could have recorded this a couple of days ago, or so that was the intent. And you were all eager. You had a bunch of notes, and you said, so what do you got? And I said, um, I don't have anything. Like, no, 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 what do you got? I, I don't have anything. Like, nothing is speaking to me. And it was... To me, I, I want to share that just because that's uh, important for people just to know, I think. You know, the, the Word of God, uh, sometimes we just have to wrestle with. And so I found myself on a number of days just saying, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? And, and how is it that you want to speak? And sometimes it comes quickly and sometimes it doesn't, but it always comes. And so, you know, we talked about maybe trying to meld what the Lord was saying to you and what he was saying to me, but there they're complementary and related, but they're also so distinct that I just want to let you share what the Lord was saying to you, and then I'll follow up with what it was sure, that he was saying to me. Sure. And, and I know he came to you really in like three very particular things that were just really clear for you. So Yeah, very particular and, 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 and pretty basic, you know, I would say. And But before I just kind of break this open, Father John, one of the things that you said, you talked about, you know, the need to wrestle mm. with the Word of God. And what that requires is time. And I can only speak for myself. Like if I go to the word of God and I don't have anything, like I, I don't hear the Lord speak, like I can, I can give up hmm. and I can just walk away from it and not invest the time uh, to, uh, to go back to it. Um, if you're doing it for academic reasons, it's a different reason. But if I'm praying with something in my holy hour, sometimes I'll just set that aside and go, there's probably nothing for me here. Yeah, you know, even as you mentioned that, uh, Abbot Jeremy Driscoll, who was a big mentor of mine and a dear older brother, I remember him talking one time about the scene in Genesis where Jacob is wrestling with the angel. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is Jacob forever after walks with, with a, a limp, limp. right? Yeah. And he used that as an analogy. He says, that's how you should understand reading scripture. Like it should leave a mark on you. Oh it should have an You should be changed forever afterwards. That's some, I, I wish that would always happen when I read thought. the Word of God, but it's a great image, right? You know, like when you go to encounter God, it's going to leave a mark somehow. It's either going to give me new hope or it's going to give me deeper conviction or whatever it is that the Lord wants to say to us. So that said, how did the Word of God um, make you limp this week? Yeah, so, so maybe just, like I said, Father John, like three basic mm -hmm. things, and... Um, and the first one, so, so so even before I go there, um, typically what what you know I do because you, you can see what I do with with the passage is I will highlight those things in scripture that that popped at me. Yeah. So there's a lot in there like resplendent and unfading. You know that 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 speaks to me of the beauty, the richness of wisdom, 
And the other part that spoke to me was wisdom is the perfection of prudence. And who doesn't want prudence perfected? It's, it's like a, if you're looking at a menu, it's like a step up on the menu. Like it's one thing to be prudent, which is an extraordinary necessary virtue for the Christian life. But wisdom is to take that up a menu. And what happens when we, when we pursue wisdom, the scriptures tell us here that it frees us from care. And how much easier I know I would breathe if I sought wisdom more regularly. The other thing that stood out to me were all the different verbs in here. Seek, love, take thought, find, all of watches for. And I became so convicted that I have not been pursuing wisdom in my life as I should and so the three things that, that probably struck me beyond that was just what is wisdom? Because I think the world has a, a, a very particular view of wisdom, and then there's, and then there's this godly wisdom um, that the scriptures are talking about today. And I, I think wisdom in this perspective, you know, in, the, in this passage is just... It, it, wisdom gives us like the capacity or the ability to see reality, to perceive all things as it really is, to see, to see truth, goodness, beauty, to see everything, everything, all events, all people through this um, as God sees it. Can I pause you right there? Sure, so, sure, sure. Because you, you mentioned that it's the perfection of prudence, and then I think you revealed how unlike most of us you are when you said and who doesn't want that? And I can just hear most people go, uh, I don't, I don't ever think about prudence. We should all want that, but I'm afraid we, we don't. So prudence is a, is a cardinal virtue, which, um, is that capacity, which enables me to make right decisions. It's why it's the first of all the cardinal virtues. That's why wisdom, which is this gift of God is a perfection of a natural virtue. I just want to highlight that it, 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 as you were speaking it, it makes me um, makes me just re- really linger with that um, simple reality. Most people, in fact, don't see reality accurately, um, and wisdom is that gift of the Holy Spirit that enables me to do it. Right? Yeah, absolutely, Father John. Thank you. Know, thank you for all of that. Um, so, what do we get out of it? So, so then I started to pray with. So, if I pursue, if I'm pursuing wisdom. This is going to sound terrible, but what's in it for me? And yeah. so obviously, you know, we talked about it, you know, it's, it's the perfection of prudence, but what do I get out of it? And, and, and prudence speaks to, it, it enables us to make right decisions in our life. So, so to be able to distinguish right from wrong or what is just versus what is unjust or uh, truth from truth from lies, yeah. truth from not truth. Yeah. And to, and, and to, look at something objectively and know that is good and that is evil Yeah, uh, relative to like, you know, um, morality, you know, what, wh- what is good for me? What is, what is not good for me? Right. And then if I have, if I have, if I'm starting to grow in wisdom, then what it does, I think is it should right order our lives. It should right order my life Yeah, and, and put all of things in in proper perspective, um, so I'm thinking about you know how my life can sometimes get out of wonk if I'm if I'm thinking about you know these scales of justice. Sometimes I can get so out of kilter, 
But what wisdom does, it allows me to put all of life in its proper perspective. And then it also informs um, uh, my life, my vocation, my ministry. And, and, and then I think ultimately like the fruit of that wisdom relative to like being free from care is it gives me freedom and it fills me with hope. And, and it more or less becomes something like an anchor in my life that feeds my heart and my mind mm. and my soul and starts to bear fruit, oh my gosh, in the way I think, the way I speak, and the way I behave. And so those are two things. So what is wisdom and then, and, and then what do we get out of it? And then I thought, you know, well then, how do I get it? So how, how do I get it? And I remember Father John, it's, it's been some time ago now, we were having Mass in our chapel, and uh, just there was this opening collect that I think struck all of us. And there was a line in it that said something like, um, pray for the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage to do it. Yeah, give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. Yeah, it's early on in the year. And um, I was thinking about being convicted again that I don't pray for wisdom. I don't hunger for wisdom. So going back to the scriptures, do I love wisdom? Do I seek wisdom? Do I desire wisdom? Do I watch for wisdom? Do I, and, and do I allow wisdom to find me? Am I, if I, am I availing myself to this wisdom that wants to come to us in all the ways that wisdom does come to us? Am I, am I availing myself mm. Uh, to that, so this just this real conviction, and so um, that I need to pray for this, and then I started just to go through the Word of God. Uh, this was a couple days ago, and scriptures, as we most of us know, is just replete with an abundance of passages that speak to wisdom. And James is very rich in that regard. And uh, there's a, a a passage in the first chapter of James that says something about like if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Mm. And God's just, I just like it was like God's invitation uh, to me very personally um, to pursue wisdom. Um, and, and then, of course, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to let it inform my life? So those were just no, those three great. really, fact, really that, basic that, that things. That last thing you're talking about just bleeds into where uh, the Lord started to speak to me. But it's, it's interesting listening to you that you never really thought to ask for it. Uh, it's something I incessantly ask for. Like uh, that prayer of Solomon, you know, Lord, I am a young man. Um, give me wisdom that I might know how to lead the people that you've entrusted to me. I mean, from the moment I got ordained, that's something I've just been praying for forever, mainly just because I'm aware of how like, stupid I am and, but, how, and how much I need the Lord to give me wisdom so as to be able to lead uh, and to be the man that he wants me to be, because otherwise I'll rely on myself and, and you know, I just... I'm just not that intelligent. Nobody is. So it's funny, though, how some of us would, like, wow, I don't think I've ever really asked for that. And others of us, I'm begging for that all the time just because um, the difference maybe in states of life or vocations, it's hard to know. Let me share with you if I can, because that bleeds, again, right into what the Lord started finally to say to me this morning. So I, you know, as I started to limp with the scriptures and just kind of like wrestle with what God was trying to say, I just went back and reread all of chapter six in wisdom, and I was struck by the 
there's three things for me too. Just kind of like the overall context, the very specific context, and then a, a thought which came uh, came to me at the end, which uh, really surprised me. So the the general context is this: this is an admonition to ask for wisdom. It, all of us, right? So we should want this for all those reasons you just mentioned. But the specific um, recipient, if you will, of this admonition is not us in general, it's leaders. And it's not found in this passage, it's found in the passage immediately before. It's, it's in verse 9, where it says, To you then, O monarchs, O kings, O leaders, my words are directed, that you may learn wisdom and not transgress. And then it goes on to the passage that you just proclaimed. So the specific context here is addressed to leaders. And what, what I took away immediately from that is, is two things. One is how often we should be praying for those who lead us, that God would give them wisdoms for the reasons you mentioned, so as to be able to know right from wrong, good from evil, justice from injustice. You know, we got the Ohio election coming up uh, this Tuesday. Right. And they got a major ballot initiative with regards to the unborn. Well, how do you know how to vote? Well, you vote um, properly to the degree that you're wise. Like, whatever this topic is that I'm voting on, and sometimes it's a little clearer than others, but what is the right thing to do here? What is the just thing? And, it, and I can't know that if I don't have prudence, because prudence is... Prudence and wisdom both, as you described, you know, this capacity to, to, to see reality accurately. If I can't see reality accurately, I'll never know what's just and what's unjust. I'll never know what I should be courageous about. I'll never know what I should be moderate about. So I've, I've, I find myself now just trying to like, come into the Lord's courts and pray very intentionally for those who are leading, but not just for those who are leading now, those who are going to lead us in the future. Because Towards the end of this chapter, it's actually the second to the last verse, it's Wisdom 6, 24, it says, A multitude of wise men is the salvation of the world, and a sensible king is the stability of his people. Well, wow, what a sobering thought that is. In other words, the, world, the world's in God's hands. But at the same time, the world is in the hands of of a small number of wise people who are leading it mm. or unwise people who are leading it. And we need, we, we, we should be begging the Lord, Lord, for the sake of peace and like all that's going on in the Middle East and all that's going on in the Ukraine and all that's going on in Nicaragua and all that's going on everywhere. Lord, we need wise men and women to govern us. So break into their lives and even now be preparing the minds and the hearts of those who are going to be taking their places in the days ahead, right? You know, Father, does, that, does that resonate? It, to it, it totally does. And, and, and you know, you, you had mentioned before we started to record our conversation, you said, we have no idea who were the men and the women who faithfully prayed for some of our world's mightiest leaders, mm -hmm. both in the world and in the church. And we could, we could name a number of people historically in our country, in Europe, over the last maybe 100 plus years, who stepped into positions of extraordinary leadership, but behind that, what undergirded that was those men and women who prayed for them. 
Yeah. They were for gonna, wisdom and courage. For wisdom <laughs> and courage and, and yeah. stepped into what would eventually be their destiny. Yeah. And, um, and, and many of us, I mean, I know I'm here today because I would imagine there's a, not that I'm wise. Let's just be clear. I mean, you are the wise one now at the staple, but I, I'm thinking about, you know, those men and women who prayed for me that I would just come to faith right. in Jesus Christ. Well, that's beautiful and wonderful and blessed be God for those prayers of intercession. But you're reminding all of us, we need to be praying now in advance for those leaders that are going to lead us not only today, but Five, 10, 15 years from now. Amen. Great, great exhortation, Father. So, so let me let me share with you then this last thing, which was just came out of nowhere, which which was something of a a, a real gift uh, that I felt like the Lord gave me to to meditate with. And so you you highlight those words which really jumped out at you as you were reading this, and and this practice that you have of of literally highlighting words or phrases, and how many times in this passage. We hear words that have to do with desire or pursuing or loving or keeping vigil or taking thought. And so the, the admonition that's found here in, in this passage is that we should, but don't actually most of the time, be pursuing wisdom. And then what I felt the Lord says, but here's the, here's the kicker, John. I, who am wisdom, because God is in a certain sense, the wisdom personified is the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. Even though I don't pursue wisdom as often as I should, the one who is wisdom, not the one who's wise, the one who is wisdom, which is to say God, God pursues me. Like all these verbs that you highlight, you know, desire, love, keep vigil, uh, take thought for, not out of need, but out of love, like God does that for me. Like God desires me. Again, not out of love. God pursues me. God longs for me. God keeps vigil for me. God, God is waiting for me. It's really an extraordinary, um, it's an extraordinary truth, which is made most powerfully manifest in the fact that God becomes a man and goes to the cross to pursue me and to get me back right? And to get you back. And what a great thought for us to have in this time of Eucharistic revival. Mm. We, we were at a, a Chaldean men's conference not too long ago, and Bishop Frank, who's the, the bishop of the Chaldean diocese, is just an extraordinary man. And he gave this beautiful homily. And he was commenting on the passage in the Gospels that was the, the reading for the day of um, the woman with the hemorrhage. And he says, how often do we simply bump into Jesus like the people in the crowds who were just bumping into Jesus versus do we stretch out our hands to touch him like the woman in the gospel with the hemorrhage? And then he just challenged us as we were preparing to get ready for communion. Brothers, he said, let's make sure that we're not like the crowds just coming forward but we're like the woman coming forward with faith to touch him. And maybe that's just the, you know, you're always, when we prepare these episodes, you're always saying, what are we going to, what's the practical takeaway? And, you know, certainly we want to, we want to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and we want to pray for leaders, but maybe the most practical takeaway for most of us as we're preparing to go to mass, whether it's later today or tomorrow or this coming Sunday 
just think about very intentionally how are we going to approach Jesus in the Eucharist and our and our and almost like to ask the Lord for the grace to see him standing there, eager to give himself to us. Like we always use the expression in order to. And how important it is to make sure that we have clarity on a whole host of in order to's. God became a man in order to do something. Jesus sends us as disciples in order to do something. Well, let's apply that to the Eucharist. Jesus gives himself to us in order to what? And there's a lot of answers to that, but one of them, like jaw-droppingly shocking, one of the in order to's is to unite himself to us because God is love and love wants union and God desires you and me. And that's a very different way of approaching Eucharist than I'm simply going up to get something. You know, oftentimes when we're having conversations, there's a, a point where you, or when we encounter something so profound that there just are no words. We were unpacking uh, a chapter in our weekly study earlier this week, or last week rather, um, on the humility of God from uh, Father Romano Guardini's book, The Lord. And and you read about the humility of God and what it does. It's it just jaw-dropping, overwhelming um, who God is and how passionate he loves us. And Father Gordini was keen on using the line, and we, we ask why. Like, like he desires us, not for anything that we bring, but because love does such things. And I'm just listening to you break open how the Lord spoke to you in this passage. And I'm reminded of something that you often will speak to the priests that we're with when we're um, leading and praying with priests in the presbyteric retreat where um, you caution them that we can, you as priests can get comfortable handling the magnificent. And I'm convicted even as, as I'm listening to you talk, Father John, that um, as a lay woman, I too, I, I can get so comfortable in the presence of the magnificent. You know, we, we have the opportunity for daily mass and how unintentional I am about just being in his presence because we have so much access to him. And so I'm just convicted um, of the need to be more intentional and that I, too, as a layperson, should not get comfortable ever with the magnificence of God, the humility of God, and the fact that he came to go to war for me, all because love does such things. And he wants you. That's the, that's yeah, the kicker in all this. You know, I, I was led to re- the reflections that uh, St. Catherine of Siena writ, wrote in uh, the dialogue, and maybe we'll let God... The father have the last word and Catherine have the last word. And in one of the passages where she's talking to the father, she says, uh, it seems, oh, abyss of charity, as if you were mad with love of your creature, as if you could not live without him. And yet you are God who have no need of us. Brothers and sisters, that's true. Catherine calls God the mad lover. God is not a distant, cruel, uh, 
detached, uninterested deity. God is a father and son and Holy Spirit, and he is love, and his love is directed at you and me very personally, and he sees you, and he knows you, and he cares about you, and he wants to give himself to you, hidden under the appearance of bread and wine, so that you and I would be courageous enough to come forward, because if we could actually see Jesus as he is, we would never come forward. And this is true, my friends, and because it is, do not be afraid God is with you, and he desires you, and you were born for this. Mm-hmm.